the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is a beautiful scripture. It comes uh, at the beginning of the fifth week of Lent every year. And um, I want to take a look at it and then compare it a bit to the prayer of St. Ephraim. And then take a look at what God gave to us in regard to how to kind of uh, live the spiritual life, how to over overcome the spirit. It's a very interesting gospel text in regard to spirits. You know, many times we think that the issues that we face are simply maybe psychological problems or just we can't somehow uh, make a big or strong enough uh, resolution to fix ourselves. Not understanding that there's spirits involved. In this case, the spirit made the boy dumb, um, convulsed him, and the Lord cast that spirit out. And it said the spirit saw Christ so I think it's very critical to us that we understand that when we're struggling spiritually, we're struggling, as the Lord said, not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers that come at us a bit. You know, it's funny. You know, we all do this. Uh, we come to confession and we say, well, here I, do, here I go again, Father. Same old thing, right, Father? And I think, yes, you know, that is going to be our life in many cases. You know, we've kind of established certain things in our lives, and some of those things aren't good, and we have to kind of fight them a bit. But, um, so we have to understand that it's not just our weakness that's the issue sometimes, it's the spirits that are coming at us a bit. In the prayer of St. Ephraim, it's very interesting. Father John pointed this out to me the other day, and, and, and it really I haven't thought about it in that sense. It says, take for me the of laziness, faint-heartedness, love of power, and idle talk. So it's just not making a resolution to be to, to fight laziness, faint-heartedness, love of power, and idle talk. There is an enemy out there that's tempting you and drawing you toward these things. So we have to really understand that there's a spiritual war going on, especially when we begin the Lenten journey, and especially when we start praying, praying the prayers in Ephraim. You know, we make that resolution. And how many of us have just failed at Lent? Raise your hands if you failed at Lent. If you didn't raise your hand, raise your hand if you're lying. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's a huge war. It, it's a powerful spiritual war. And the spirits of laziness, being harness, love of power, and I don't talk, are powerful spirits. We have to understand that when we enter a spiritual war, we have to enter with 
the right weapons. Not just a personal resolution. I'm going to overcome laziness this year, Father. I'm going to overcome it. I know it. I'll do my best. <laughs> yes, you will. And you will come to confession and confess laziness. Why is this? Because the spiritual powers have to be fought with the correct weaponry, correct weaponry, and the Lord gives it to us in this text. He says, do you believe? And then, he, and then the man confesses his unbelief. Belief, confession. And then he says, it's very interesting, he says, oh, the disciples don't understand this, but this spirit only comes out with, oh, what do we do during Lent? Pray and fast. Two weapons. These aren't just practices we have. They're weapons against these spirits. So let me just go over some of these because I think it's very important that we get this. To believe, to confess, to pray, and to fast. Four weapons that overcome these spirits. Because if you don't do those four things, it's very difficult to overcome the spirit just with a simple resolution. So what is this, what is this I believe, the belief? The Lord gave to us a promise and an oath, two things that establish the fact that he does several things. One, he loves us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you? Say, he loves me. Because <laughs> he does. You have to believe that. Because if you don't believe that and understand that he brings everything into your life to save you, do you believe that? He does everything in your life to save you. Even when you make a mistake, he'll bring the next thing to save you. What if you make another mistake? He's going to bring something else to save you. What about another mistake? He's going to bring something else to save you. God loves you, and God does everything to save you. Do you believe that? This is good. You guys are getting good. All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that all things work for good? That can work for good. So three things we must believe, right? And have that solidly in our life. God loves me. God does everything to save me. And all things can work for good. That's a weapon against the spirits. And then he, then the beautiful man, it says, with tears he confesses his unbelief. With tears, Lord, I so desperately want my son to be healed. And I know I don't believe enough. He confesses his unbelief. Confession. Confess your unbelief. Confess your, your inappropriate desires. Confess your weaknesses before God. Confession is a weapon against the spirits. 
confess your unbelief. When we confess, when we move into this place of humility, we're confessing that God is my strength. God's my foundation, my refuge, my deliverer. I can't do it all. I've made the effort, and I understand without God, I can't do it. Without God's grace, I can't do anything. You know, there was a uh, uh, Bishop uh, Metropolitan Joseph sent around these thoughts for the day. One thought was from St. Ephraim, and he says this. It's very important, I think, to understand it this way, that, that our efforts um, in humbly coming to God with confession attract God's grace, attract grace, and that grace becomes our weapon. St. Ephraim says, that grace is my refuge. That grace is my defense. That grace is my strength. That grace is my ennoblement. That grace is my praise. And that grace is the food for my whole life. I want to share something with you as I was reading this. This became Kevin. The grace of God over Kevin and Angel's life was so powerful at the end. This is what I, what we, almost everybody saw this. That the grace of God was refuge, was strength, was defense, was ennoblement. They were ennobled. They were, in a sense, by God's grace, glorified in these moments. That grace was their praise. That grace became the food for his whole life. You know, at the end, Kevin couldn't eat. In fact, he didn't eat for 16 months. Didn't put anything in his mouth for 16 months. He fed, was fed by a tube for 16 months. And so what became his food over those many months? The grace of God. In his weakness, confessing his weakness, understanding his weakness, he became in Christ, that grace in him became strength, refuge, ennoblement, praise, and food. You know what? That grace, that grace, that's what it becomes in your life when you confess, when you admit your weakness. It becomes your refuge. It becomes your strength. It becomes your defense. It becomes your ennoblement. You're not ennobled by your own deeds. You're ennobled by the grace of God. It becomes your praise. is what you praise. Thank God. Thank God. That's what we say. Thank God. Thank God. And it becomes the food for your whole life. That grace. Does that sound like a weapon against the spirits to you? The grace of God? <laughs> the spirits can't even stand up to that one. You need to understand that. When you confess your weakness, that grace is poured out on you for those very things, and it becomes a powerful weapon against the spirits that attack you. So. so, and there's a beautiful prayer uh, in uh, St. Papa Dimitri, an old Greek priest, prays uh, 
that the grace would be a remedy for my weakness and, a, and to make up for what is lacking. A remedy for my weakness and to make up, what is, to make up for what is lacking. So this grace, my beloved, is so, so powerful and it comes to us with a humble confession of our struggles, our weaknesses, our unbelief. Hi. <laughs> and then simply, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we need to pray. We need to pray. And I always remember that story. It's a lady comes to the priest, says, Father, I have a very big problem with one of my children. I've gone to the psychologist. I've gone to the schools. I've gone to all my friends to talk to them. I've done everything I can. I've read a couple of books, and there's no problem. And the priest says, well, have you prayed? And she says, well, don't tell me it's come to that. That's always last, right? Isn't that always last? Should be first. Pray. Because what's it do? It sets your mind in a good place. Put your mind in the right place. Prayer purifies the mind. So when you pray, understand that. You're drawing near to God, and your mind is being cleared all that other stuff. And when we fast, we strengthen our will against all the appetites. We make our yes, yes, and our no, no. Do you see how those things can become powerful weapons against the Spirit? Prayer purifies the mind, draws you near to God, allows you to overcome the Spirit. Fasting strengthens your will so that as you engage temptation, you see the temptation come and you say, Say it. No. Because you've practiced it. You've practiced the no. And when that good, that good thing comes before you, you say yes to that. Because your will has been strengthened to that. You know, you, it's so interesting. You don't think this. But saying no to the burger and yes to the hummus is actually a spiritual exercise. It is. In and out is coming out with a hummus burger, by the way. <laughs> it hasn't gone that far yet. So believe. God loves me. God saves me. All things can work for good. Confess your weaknesses. Let that grace of God come upon you. Use it as a weapon. Pray to purify your mind. Fast to strengthen your will. These, beloved, are great weapons against these spirits of laziness, faint-heartedness, love of power, and idle talk. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.